Well, this is lesson six, our teaching series, and I'm excited about today. I've got, I'm watching, I'm watching the clock because we're a little late because I already preached sermon one. Well, this is number two. So part six, a shaking and an awakening. We've taken a number of weeks talking about the shaking. Uh, we took, uh, well, I guess four weeks talked about shaking and uh, because Jesus is coming back it'll be a tumultuous time a, a challenging time it's not an innocuous time it's a challenging time he's coming back to rid the earth of all of his enemies are you excited about Jesus coming back he came first time as a as a as a as the child in Bethlehem but he's coming back this time as the lion of the tribe of Judah and boy is he going to roar and boy, has he got something to say. So he's coming to defeat his enemies and, re- and rout the earth of all of that and then set up the new heavens and new earth wherein dwells righteousness. That's what the scriptures say. Are you excited about going to heaven? You'll be not in heaven in eternity. You'll be right here on earth and you may be going between the new heavens and new earth. In fact, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 2, eyes not seen, ears not heard, it's not even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Uh, But then it says, but God has revealed them to us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. God hasn't chosen to reveal a whole lot uh, to us about eternity, except there is going to be an earth that is autoclaved and cleansed of sin and all of the repulsive elements, and it's going to be a grand place. Are you excited about that? Wow. Wow. Anyway, that's another subject in and of itself. So we've been talking about that, talking about the fact that God makes covenants with people. We've talked about the fact that regardless of what comes, He will provide and supply for His people, and He keeps witnessing to that, that to my heart over and over again. For God to provide for you, how many know you've got to hear His voice? So listen to Him. And, and so last week we talked about repentance, which is the first step towards a fresh move of God in your personal life, in the church, in a nation or in the world. If Jesus is going to do something fresh in me, I've got to have a status of repentance. Everybody say repentance. Repentance means I'm going one way and something slaps my jaws and I just turn myself around. I'm going a different way. I'm doing a different thing. Repentance is not just adding Jesus to what you're doing. He wants to transform who you are. So I do this, and I mentioned this uh, last week. I, I actually want to live a lifestyle of repentance. That means moment by moment, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, and if I get off the path in any way, with my words, with my thoughts, with what I'm doing and involved in, if I get off the path and I see it, a lifestyle of repentance says, God, what am I doing? I jerk myself by the ear. I snatch myself out of whatever I'm involved in with my words, my mind, my actions, and say, God, forgive me for that. I judge that. It's wrong. It's sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just forgive us I'm back on the path of righteousness here we go Jesus that's living a life what does that do that puts you in a place where the Holy Spirit can work in your life in a fresh way I don't need what he did 10 years ago I need what he's doing today in me yes or no somebody got blessed five years ago so what's he doing today well you know what God did to me 25 years ago it don't matter today what are you doing today in fact it's not how you start it's how you end that makes the difference yes or no I feel the preach. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Everybody say this. The Holy Spirit is a helper. So he wants to help us in life in a strange way. This is my notes. We seem surrounded by lies, distortions, deceptions, and twisted truths. 
that only paint a partial picture of whatever we're dealing with. Is that true or false? I, I can't get away from the 12 spies. Y'all, we're living in the 12 spies time. <laughs> and most people are the 10. That Go read, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, maybe you've never darkened the door of a church and you're listening online, go read, num- go get a Bible and go to the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's the fourth book. Turn to chapter 13 and read. In fact, read chapter 13 and 14. It's not the crowd that did it right. It's the two that got it right. Yes, if you're following the crowd innocuously because they're doing it, you're going to mess up really bad today. And that's what the Lord keeps witnessing to my heart. So we have an internal antidote for whatever problems arise, and he is called the spirit of truth. Is that true? We are now, we're going to have the same kinds of problems our culture has, regardless of what time frame we're living in, whether it was you know, two generations ago or the time just before Jesus comes. Whatever our culture is dealing with, we're going to deal with. Is that true? But the difference is we got a different set of answers. I want you to see this. I love this. Here's Moses was on top of a Mount Sinai for a period of time. He was up there so long that, uh, that you know, uh, the people, uh, my goodness, they, they, uh, they, threw all, they took all their gold uh, jewelry, uh, burned it down, and made a golden calf, started worshiping the golden calf, started having sex orgies around the golden calf. Now, that, now, now Moses has been in the glory of God, in the glory of God. And comes down to that. So he ground the golden calf up into powder, put it in water and made them drink it and they got their tails sick. And then God said, you know, I'm just going to start over. And God said, and Moses said, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Uh, these are your people. I know they messed up real bad. You know, they're not real smart today, but would you just have mercy? And God said, okay. And then in the middle of saying all that, Moses said this, Exodus Thirty-three, sixteen, New Living Translation. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Wow. Listen to me. I don't care what's coming ahead of us, and it doesn't smell good. I can tell you, if you're on, in God's camp, he will take care of you. Huh? He's a good shepherd. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. Your rod and your staff will take care of me. Yes or no? So I don't know about you, but I'm going to be on his side. That means there's a distinction in how we deal with the pressures that life brings believers should be dealing differently with the pressures of life. Is that true? Now, I've said this a good bit in the past. Let me say this again. God gave me this phrase, and you've heard this, and psychologists will talk about this in speaking of human behavior. Pain looks for pleasure. So if you're drinking on the weekend because you don't want to lose your job Monday through Friday, but you're drinking, or you're taking over-the-counter medications to feel good because you feel blasé, and you're abusing them, or you're smoking some weed. That means pot. Or you're looking at porn. Years ago, a guy wrote a book and said, porn is the new crack. 
because it causes an endorphin rush in the, phys- in the human brain. Un, uh, in, in a similar way to drugs, that's the way, and people can get addicted to pornography the way that people get addicted to drugs. Did you know that? Or alcohol. Just, it's the same, same principle. Or sex. Or for a believer, what's this? Or, uh, or you're on your mobile phone and, and, you know, your mind is in zombie land and you're just flicking. You get that? See, that's a telltale sign you're under pressure, right? Or, or you got it lined up. You're sitting in your favorite chair and you're eating all night for hours. You got hand-to-mouth problem. And if you're eating things that you know are just going to make you a little bit, you're going to have to change size, clothes size. Let's say it that way. Because that stuff tastes better than anything. It sure tastes better than green beans, don't it? Uh, or broccoli or cauliflower. It sure tastes good, but it sure will mess your system up. Is that true? See, those are symptoms. Those are indicators that I'm under pressure. And see, here's what the Lord wants us to do. Take our pressure, take our pain into his presence. He doesn't want us to take our pain to an addiction. People that take their pain to an addiction, they don't have anything inside to deal with the pressure. Do you understand? So we got people, you work with people, you got people in the family, okay? And maybe, maybe you, you do the same thing, but, you know, if you've got these addictive things that I just mentioned, it's a telltale sign, there's some pressure hanging around, right? Some people deal with pressure by overworking. All they do is work, 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 because they don't want to face reality. Is that true? If that's you, got to change, because God wants us to take our pain not to something that anathematizes it for a period of time, and then when that goes away, there it is again. He wants us to take our pain into his presence. That means let him minister to us when we're down, when we're low, when we're feeling tough, when life looks rough, yes or no. In fact, if you do what I just mentioned, like the word, so, so, so we are separated from everybody else as believers because we have the same problems but a different solution. We take our problems into the presence. We took our, take our pain into the presence. We don't take our pain, pain to something that will hurt us in the end. Yes? Right? So, so, so when we do that, if we take our pain, pain into things that will hurt us, there is, a, there is a level of hardening that occurs every time you do that. And Hebrews 3.12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It seems good to eat, you know, three bags of potato chips. It's quiet, right? Or to just, well, nobody's going to know I'm drinking. Well, you know, your liver knows. And one day it's going to talk to you. I've put people in the ground who drink too much. And they said they were believers. We'll figure that one out. They forgot where to take their pain. Did you hear me? So we've got to learn to do this a little bit differently. Philip's translation, James, y'all Okay. James 4, 4, you're like unfaithful wives flirting with the glamours of the world, never realizing that to be the world's lover means becoming an enemy of God. When I take my pain to where it doesn't belong, to all these other things, 
Really, I'm aligning myself against the very one that can help me. Anyone who deliberately chooses to love the world is thereby, thereby making himself God's enemy. Do you think the scripture, what, do you think what the scriptures have to say about this is a mere formality? And I like this last part. Do you imagine that the spirit of passionate jealousy, passionate, everybody say passionate jealousy. Wow, is the spirit that he calls to live in us? Passionate jealousy. You ever seen a passionately jealous person? I was a, a squirrel head. I wasn't wise. I don't know what I call, you know, when I was a teenager, the first girl I, I fell in love with, I fell out of love with her right quick. But I had some passionate jealousy for her. Because she'd talk to any boy, anytime, if I wasn't around. In fact, she jumped out a two-story window and married somebody else while I was dating her. <laughs> Went my heart. <laughs> Went my heart. <laughs> Did you know God's got passionate jealousy for you? Now, you know, I'm not jealous of Susan. I just love her. And I don't have to go looking around and see if she's smacking on somebody else because she kisses me and me alone. And I like the way she kisses. You can tell her I said that. She's in children's church today. Now think about passionate jealousy. Do you know the Holy Spirit's jealous over you? Now really, I haven't been jealous since I met Susan. She, she just doesn't make me jealous. She doesn't do anything to provoke jealousy in me. You understand that? And you can ask her if I make her jealous. I think she would say the same thing because I just don't do that. I'm not interested because my interest is fulfilled in her. Men, if you got wandering eyes, you need to deal with yourself. Ladies, if you're, if you're blinking your eyes where guys will look at you and you're married, you're doing it wrong, my friend. You're provoking jealousy. Yes or no? If your spouse has a jealous problem, it may not be them, it may be you. Yes or no? I'm feeling the desire to slow her down a little bit. So somebody really needs to deal with that. I said that because the Holy Spirit, see, he becomes jealous when we give our heart affection to something else. And today, if we compromise and give our heart affection to something else, it may cost us more than we were willing to pay because we won't be prepared for the things that are coming. Now it's time to get it right. Y'all got it? Don't be half into God, be all the way in. Some of us in the room, you're about halfway there. Are you going to heaven? Yeah. Are you doing everything God wants you to do? Uh-uh, no. Because you're not, you're not wanting to hear anything besides, you're enjoying life the way you are. You hear me? And I can tell you about the Lord enough to tell you that he will press you and stretch you. When you find God's will, God's will is wonderful, but God's will sometimes will stretch you. And you've got to be willing to hear what he's saying and obey it. And today, today, if you provoke him to jealousy, it may cost you. The Holy Spirit is a jealous person. I love that verse. In, in uh, where was I at? No, I was in, yeah, James 4, 5. The spirit of passionate jealousy is the spirit he has caused to live in us. 
He's jealous over your time. He's jealous over your mind. He's jealous over your relationships. He's jealous over what you do. Huh? And he'll speak to you. What you doing? Where you been? Where's your mind been? What you hook your emotions up with? What you looking at? What you doing? What you, what you doing? Right? You will show me Psalm 16, take our, take our pain, our difficulty, our stuff, our challenges, the pressures. Take them to the presence. She will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand pleasures forevermore. Right? I've got to figure out a way to do this. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And um, we want to do this fairly rapidly. So let me see. Um, uh, how I, let, me just, let me just do it this way. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask or pray the, to the Father. And he will give you. Another helper, everybody say another helper, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it doesn't see him or know him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Let me read the Passion Translation, which is so cool, of the same verses. It says, this is John 14, 15, loving me, Jesus said, empowers you to obey my commands. That's so good. Wow. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, Helper. The King James Version calls it Comforter. You know, when's the last time you went up to somebody and said, you know, you're such a comforter to me. Well, but you've probably went up to somebody, you know, you've really helped me. So they've changed the, they've changed the, the word used from the original language, which is the word parakletos. It means one called alongside to aid or help. So if you're working on your car, it's the person that hands you the wrench or it's the person that hands you the object that you're, you're replacing on your automobile and takes the one that you remove, right? You got a helper. So that's what the Holy Spirit is to us. The Holy Spirit of truth whom, who will be to you a friend just like me. Who will be to you a friend, Jesus said, just like me. Everybody say, just like me. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see or know him, but you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside you. Wow. Now that's really cool. Do you think that's cool? I, I think that's really cool. So parakletos, everybody say paraclete. So back years ago, um, I listened to some messages. One of the Bible schools I attended made me listen to Oral Roberts' teachings on the Holy Spirit. And so I had to write down everything he said and then do a, do a paper on it. And he would use the term paraclete. And that was in the mid-1970s and the Holy Spirit was being poured out worldwide. But I got an un understanding of the word paraclete. And, of course, the word parakletos is the, is the word used here in John uh, 15, here, John 14, 15. But I want to read this definition. It's from my Olive Tree Enhanced Strong's Dictionary. It's so good. The authorized version uses this word paraclete five times as the word comforter, four times as the word advocate, and one time as a person who is summoned or called to one side, especially called to one's aid. One who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, a counsel for defense, a legal assistant, an advocate. One who pleads another's cause with one, an intercessor of Christ in his exaltation at God's right hand. Pleading with God the Father for the pardon of our sins in the widest sense. That's Jesus. How many know Jesus is a paraclete? 
He's the player. He's, he's, he's pleading your case before the Father. Aren't you glad he's a good attorney? Whoa. A helper, a succorer, an aider, assistant of the Holy Spirit destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles to lead them to a deeper knowledge of the gospel truth and to give them divine strength and needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom. I like that. Isn't that good? One called along to aid or help. Actually, the Latin word for paraclete, um, uh, helper, actually means one who comes with strength. Have you ever thought about you've got a strength provider inside? Now, I've learned to lean on him. He's, he's like a coach. You ever had a coach? 2016, third Tuesday, I was minding my own business and a word, just like I got this strange word last Wednesday, pernicious. Well, this word came up, and I never use this word in my natural vernacular in the way I speak. It's the word trailblazer. So I'm having my men's coffee, and, I, and, and we got men in the circle. We're talking, and all I can hear is trailblazer, trailblazer. Trailblazer. What on earth is a trail? I had to go look up the word. I looked up the word trailblazer. And let me tell you how God is. He'll give you one word or speak to you in a way because he knows your thoughts, he knows your imaginations, he knows your heart, and he knows how to get a point across to you. So he doesn't speak a lot. How many know God doesn't waste words? Okay? He says what he means means what he says. And then you got to search it. He gave me the word trailblazer. Bottom line was, he wanted me to blaze a new trail with the way I, I managed Victory Church. We went from 49 people in a small building on Garner Road to where we are today with all this. And I was still doing some things the way I did them when I came. And he said, Bubba, you got to change. That's how I interpret it. And he was telling me I got to cut a different path with respect to how Victory Church is managed. I need to take myself out of out of the center of it and, and let other people help me more than I am. And that was seven years ago, and it turned out to be true. I hired a John Maxwell person who was trained by him just to hold my feet to the fire. I think pretty much anybody could have held my feet to the fire and slapped my jaws with their words. He did all of that. He made me mad. I wanted to fuss at him and slap him. And once I got over that and started listening to him, I started doing what he said, made it, making some fairly strident changes in me and how I managed our church. And it turned out to be really good. And, um, and the proof is now here. And I have an executive pastor. How about, how about give Mira Short a hand? And we've got a, we've got a great staff team here that just helped in an immeasurable way. I mean, just do wonderful. So we've got a great uh, advisory board, a great staff team. We'll talk about all that at 4 o'clock. But um, anyway, I, I, I understand what a personal coach will do. And, and see, he just held my feet. And for a little over a year or so, about a year and a half, he would come ever so often, and he would give me things to do while he was gone. And he'd check up on me. What you do? How you doing? And, he'd, and then he'd go see if I was telling the truth by go talking to my staff behind closed doors. Like, thank you very much. You rascal, you. Well, you know, he did that, so that's a coach, right? The Holy Spirit wants to be that kind of coach with you. So everything, I've got to summarize here, everything that Jesus was to the disciples, the Holy Spirit will be to you. You ever had this thought that, I sure do wish I'd have been here when Jesus was here. Wouldn't it have been great to see Jesus and look at his face and look at his hair and look at his beard and look at his hands and watch the way he walks and watch the way he deals with people? 
Wouldn't it be amazing to see people healed under Jesus' ministry? You've got somebody bet, somebody who has a ministry to you that is closer than Jesus was to his disciples. He's inside of you. What are you doing with him? I say a lot of people have, uh, have made the coach a hitchhiker. Is the Holy Spirit a hitchhiker or a helper in you? For a lot of believers, the, the Holy Spirit's hitchhiking a ride because they won't let him do anything. He starts to say something and say, wait a minute, I've got to do this. And they don't spend time enough to hear what he's saying. You hear what I'm, you get me? Seriously. So is he a hitchhiker? A hitchhiker's just going along for the ride but doing very little to help you. Huh? The Holy Spirit does not like to be a hitchhiker. He wants to be a helper, right? So, so Jesus was a helper to the disciples and the same thing he was to the disciples, he will be to us. In fact, I just read it, John 14, 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. Everybody say another helper. There's a play on the Greek language there. It really say, He's really saying, I won't give you another helper of a different kind. I will give you a helper of the same kind. I'll give you another helper who just like me will do what I did with the disciples. So when they needed money, he said, go throw your hook in the water. And Peter caught a fish. He said, big deal. He said, look in his mouth. And their tax money was in the fish's mouth. That's a little out there. But the Bible says it happened, right? Huh? Uh, when they had trouble healing somebody. Jesus just, they just brought the person to Jesus and the person got well because he knew exactly what to do. When they had a big crowd that followed them out of the city because they wanted to hear Jesus teach and they didn't have enough food, just a little boy's lunch, just a few fish and some bread and that's it, uh, Jesus fed all of them people. He took care of the need, yes or no? If they didn't understand scripture, Jesus would just sit them down like the Sermon on the Mount. He said, he would just talk to them about the kingdom of God. He said, well, I would love for, to have been here when Jesus was. You got it better. You got the Holy Spirit in you. And he'll talk to you in very clear, specific, and personal terms. How many hear me? The first thing the Holy Spirit will do in us, and you need to know this. We need to know this. First thing he'll do is lead us to this book right here. So the first thing I need to ask myself is, what am I doing with my Bible? If all you're doing is leaving it on your dash of your car or you're leaving it on your nightstand but rarely opening it, then you know he can very, do very little to help you. In fact, he will not help me past what I understand right here. Huh? Yes or no? Let me tell you how he is. He's often, most of the time, will take Scripture and just a phrase of Scripture, and just speak that. Boom, there it is. And, and I'll say, well, where is that? And then i got to go figure out where I read that. But he'll take the Word of God and minister to you. And today, he will take the Word to guide you. So if I want specific guidance from the Holy Spirit, I first of all have got to listen to the general guidance of the Word of God. Yes or no? I heard a guy, and I cut him off. I heard a guy was walk, taking a walk. Uh, Friday, I think, I heard this guy, and he said, well, the Holy Spirit no longer speaks today. The only time he speaks is through the word. He won't speak to you personally. He'll just speak though I cut that hound dog off. Because somehow, somehow, the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul. Somehow, the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter. Huh? Go join yourself to this chariot. Minister that. Uh, Peter, he spoke to Paul. Don't go to Macedonia, go over here, right? The Holy Spirit will speak to you. 
Philip, he spoke to Philip, you'll join yourself to this chariot, Acts chapter 8. Did he or did he not? Was that the Holy Spirit? Yeah, it was. So I'll turn that guy off. Here's what I do know. If you don't pay attention to this book, the Holy Spirit will not pay attention to you. Can I say that? You got to say it strong. Slap you a little bit. If you don't pay attention to this, he won't pay attention to you. Huh? You want him to pay attention to you today. You, you want to hear him. So there's little words I get. I promise I would not get them unless I was doing this. You get it? Because if I'm not paying attention, he's not going to pay attention to me and my problems and my stuff. He's going to leave me alone. And you don't want him to leave you alone. Here, here are one, two, three, four, four scripture. Listen to this. This book of the law will not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate in it day and night. This is to Joshua after Moses died. That you may observe to do. That you may observe to do. That you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. You want to be prosperous? You want to have good success? The first key is you got to get in this book. Don't let it depart from your mouth. If it's in your mouth, that means it's got to be in your heart because Jesus said out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Why do I memorize scripture? I want the Holy Ghost speaking to me. And if I put the word in my heart, it'll come out my mouth. It won't depart from me. And then my way will be prosperous and I'll be able to deal wisely in the affairs of life, one translation says, for success, right? Then Proverbs 3, 1, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace. Oh, well, I want some of that. You want length of days? You want long life? Length of days means you get a lot done in one day. Length of days, long life, and peace. You want that stuff, right? It didn't say take it away. It said it give it to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. That would be the word. Bind it around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? To trust the word is to trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. If I say, God, you said this, I'm gonna do that. You told me not to speak that way, I'm not gonna do that. If you told me not to do that, I'm not gonna do If you told me to do that, I'm gonna do that. If you told me to have that attitude, I don't feel like it right now, but I'm gonna have that attitude. If you told me to love that person, I'm gonna slap their jaws. But you know, I think I'll just love them instead. Right? I'm on edge today. What is this? John 16, Proverbs 16, 3, amplified, roll your works upon the Lord, commit and trust them wholly, completely to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. How do I roll my works upon the Lord? Make sure what I'm doing is aligned with what he said in his word, that I'm honest, that I'm a person of integrity, that I do what I say, that I walk in love, that I forgive people, yes or no? Wow. Uh, and then lastly, Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. I really like that. I love that, in fact. Don't be like the horse or like the mule. <laughs> Are you a horse? Are you a mule? What does a horse or mule do? <laughs> well, they don't want to listen. I've been on the mission field. That's how I know about horses. And mules are just aggravating. I've seen guys that are trying to get that guy to move in, uh, that guy, that donkey to move in the field. They'll kick him, they'll hit him, and he just, because oh, <laughs> he don't want to move right now. They're stubborn. 
Don't be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with brit and bridle. That is, the, they gotta, you got to produce some pain for them to get to move. Do you, do you wait until the circumstances have got you buried and you got one nostril? Please help me, God. I can't breathe. <laughs> That's not God's best. If you're harnessed with bit and bridle, that means the circumstances of life are pressing in on you. You know you ain't doing right, but it sure feel good, and I sure do like it. Well, one day you're going to have one nostril sticking up out the mud. Say, oh, God, please. And you know what God will say? Come here, boy. Come here, girl. And he'll grab your slimy hand and lift you out of the mud and wipe you off, brush you down, and help you. But it don't have to be that way. The problem with today is you don't have a lot of time to mess around. And if you mess around today, it could cost you more than you want to pay. How many hear what I just said? So don't be like the horse or the donkey, stubborn, unresponsive, or the circumstances can come. So I said all that to say that, you know, all my life, you know, I've got a list of things here. I won't go over. I don't have time to go over anything in detail, but I just begin to realize how, how much the Holy Spirit really has spoken to me in my life. I made the decision when I was young, I was 18, to, to get in the Word. I, I would work and go to school and all that, and then I'd come home, and I'd read my Bible till I went to bed. And then I'd read uh, books by spirit-anointed authors of the books. They were believers, and they wrote books. And I'd just read, 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 read. And, th- and then I noticed the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. Now, He spoke to me one time. I didn't mean to say that. Just listen to this. So as I had this, you ever had a religious attitude? And you're a Pharisee, and everybody's right, and you're always, you're always right, and everybody else is always wrong. And, and nobody's ever doing enough. They're not towing the line enough. They're just, they, they got it, but they need to do a little better. You ever been that way? Well, I was a Pharisee when I first came to Jesus because I figured I'm doing it right, and nobody else is. And I was full of pride. And I'm laying in my room. I had a day off. I was laying on my bed, and I'm reading my, sanctimoniously reading my Bible. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, get up off that bed and go help your mama. I lived at home. I was, I was living in her house free. And I heard, when I, when I got quiet, I heard, shh, 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 shh. And he said, the Holy uh, inside me, get up and go help her. My mother's raking leaves. We didn't have the big old leaves. We had those oak trees with a river oak with little tiny leaves that'll aggravate you silly. And she's raking them out from under the, the tree. And it's, the, it's the, obviously the autumn time of the year. He said, get up and go help your mama. See, I was being all spiritual. I got to read my Bible. I got to be spiritual. Sometimes, sometimes he wants you to go do what you're supposed to do and act on what you're reading. See? And then I noticed he would start talking to me about all kinds of things. He would talk to me about my habits. He would talk to me about my words. I gossiped. I cut people down. I was sarcastic. He spoke to me about all of that. It's just amazing how he will speak. Don't do that anymore. I said something sarcastically to somebody one day. He said, don't do that anymore. See, my dad was sarcastic. My brother was sarcastic. My grandfather was sarcastic. I was sarcastic because I'm just chip off the old block, right? But I had to change. See? So when you're doing things that hurt other people, he'll mess with you. Or you're hurting yourself. Don't do that anymore. You know, he spoke to me so many times. In fact, he spoke to me about so many things. 1978, 
I was walking out of church on a Thursday night and looked across the parking lot and I heard, there goes your wife. I said, ooh, let me see what she looked like. And it was Susan. You get what I'm saying? We got married in 1979, 1980. February of 1980, I'm sitting on the edge of my bed in the first apartment we rented and I just got home from work. I'm, I'm just tired to the bone and I heard, go to Ramah. And that's a, a Bible school in Oklahoma founded by Kenneth Hagin. And then I said, you know, Susan, I didn't tell her that day, but later I said, you know, Susan, I've been, I think the Lord spoke to me the other day. And he told me we need to move to Tulsa and go to Raymond. She said, he's been saying the same thing to me. I said, say that again. Do you see what I'm saying? If you'll get into the word, the Lord will direct your path. I was minding my own business one day. I'd been hired by a church. I was a janitor. And I heard the Lord say, Mitch, I want you to go jog. And then I want you to exercise the rest of your life. I was 23 years old, and he spoke that to me. I'm 64 now. Do you know I exercised a lot? You know why? Because he told me to. Huh? He knew, I, and maybe you don't need to. I got to do that because he said so. He spoke to me the next year, early 1984. What's first in your life? Make me first in your day. And I started getting up early. I became an early riser, getting up usually around 4.30 or so in the morning, reading my Bible, praying, starting my day with the Lord. I've carried that throughout my life because the Lord spoke to me. See, what's God saying to you? You need to follow through with what he's saying. I looked at the associate pastor of the church, big old church in Tulsa, and uh, January of 1984, and I kept hearing, you're going to have his job. I looked, and I said, man, I'm, oh God, I repent. I'm just full of pride. What's wrong with me? I'm going to have the associate pastor of the church job. Are you kidding me, this big old church? He said, you're going to have his job. Well, you know what? Seven months later, eight months later, the truth is, uh, I can't, I don't have time to tell the story. I got his job. Not, not his associate pastor job, but he counseled people for the pastor. That's what I did. He said, you'll have his job. Now, you know what? You have those kind of things happen to you. You figure out that the Holy Spirit knows better than you what you need to be doing. Yes or no? 1993, I was pastoring a church for a pastor in uh, South Carolina, and I'd been pastor. He was, on, uh, he was in, in, in Europe. He started a church in one of the Baltic states and took his whole family with him. I pastored his church in his stead, paid his salary, and we did a lot, and I don't have time to tell the story. But I heard the second Tuesday of, of November 1993, I'm praying, and I heard three words because the Lord knew I was thinking, well, you know, the pastor's coming back. What am I going to do when he comes back? Lord, what am I going to do? It was, a, it was the thought of my heart. What am I going to do? I'm pastoring his church for him, but he's coming back to step back into the pastorate of this church. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And God knew I was thinking that. And he gave me three words, already existing church. And that was because he knew my thought patterns. See, God will say something and only you can interpret it. You get it? And that already existing church turned six months later into somewhere in the world there's a church that is pastorless and you will go pastor that church and that will become your life work. Already existing church. There's no devil in hell that could tell me that I'm not supposed to be here. Because God said you would go pastor an already existing church. Does that make sense? In 1995, I was coming back from a morning prayer meeting in our first building on Garner Road. 
And that night, you've heard me tell, some of you have heard me tell this story several times. Every hour on the hour, one, two, three, four, five o'clock, I woke up just as though I had never been asleep. I was that awake on the hour because I looked at the clock by my bedside. And it's like, what am I doing awake? I prayed and prayed in the spirit and went back to sleep every hour on the hour. That day on the way back from prayer, I had an auto accident. I mean, it took the whole front of my vehicle off. And it looked like it totaled the other person's vehicle. In fact, I didn't even see the other person until they already hit me. And it was a lady driving a brand new Cadillac Sedan DeVille in 1995. And she was in midair trying to hold her coffee cup up, looking at what hit her. And then she hit a fence. Well, I'm just sure that the Holy Spirit woke me up at night just to alert me to pray. How many hear what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, We acquired this property in 2013 because the Holy Spirit spoke to me while I was believing for another piece of property. He said, you can have this if you want to, but if you let me, I'll give you something better. I said, I'm listening. And here we are. Isn't God good? Isn't he awesome? When COVID started, you've heard me tell all that. When COVID broke out in uh, in 2020, See, he spoke to me about what, how, what the end of that will be like. He spoke to me in October of 2019, said the end result of all this will be Joel 2.28. So, you know, I was excited when we didn't have, no, none of you were here. I plastered your pictures on the, on the seats, and I preached to empty seats. And if you can preach to empty seats, you can preach to anybody. I preached to empty seats and never got discouraged. I heard some people, well, I'm just going to quit. Well, why you want to quit? God didn't tell you to quit. Do what you got to do, rascal. Do what you got to do. Obey God. He told me the end result's going to be revival. So you know what it tells me? I don't care what comes. Guess what? God's going to do something big. <sighs> well, pastor, you're talking, about, you're talking about getting some food and some water and doing what you need to do. Uh-huh. That don't mean anything except get ready. Because I know that I know that I know we're going to lead a lot of people to Jesus. And we're going to take care of people. We'll do whatever. We'll feed people, help people, love people. Huh? Pull people out to mud. But we got a great time ahead of us. How many hear what I'm saying? So what about you? What, what, what you listening to? Are you in this book enough that your helper is not a hitchhiker? Or is he just hitchhiking? Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't feel good. I don't think it's going to work out right. You don't have your nose in the right place, my friend. If you get yourself in the Word, God will encourage you. And he'll show you things to come. And he will help your life. And the Holy Spirit will help you. Are you all excited about that? Man, I'm, I'm excited enough to dance and shout about it, actually. You hear me? So the little balloon flying over? Well, you know, I... I picked up on what's going on. We're going to have war. My mother, I didn't mention this early. My mother is a pray. Hey, Mom, if you're watching, love you, sis. She lives in my house. She's been living in my house since 2014. But she's told me, and uh, Mom, I'm going to tell you business. I hope it's okay. But she's told me a bunch of times, Mitch. I said, what? Because, you know, she prays all the time. In fact, sometimes it, Aunt Mama, honestly, sometimes it aggravates me because I want you to come out of your room, just sit down and talk to her. Bless you, pray. And uh, her job is praying. But she's told me, said, Mitch, I've been praying. I said, what you praying for? She said, World War III. And I say, you praying about Russia? She said, uh-huh. You praying about China? Well, yeah. 
And then I want to go further and say, what, what, what you praying about me? But I don't do that. The world's changing. Jesus is coming. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited. <sighs> is it going to be a tough time? <sighs> Let me tell you something. I was made for hardship. I'm not kidding. I've always said it. The harder things get, the more I shine. Because I'm just wired that way. I'm a, I'm a, I can get, I will get it done. I've told myself all my life, say, I don't know what it is about me. I'm a problem solver. I want to make it happen. As long as I got, like I said earlier, one nostril above water, I'm sucking air. We're going to make it happen. And I'm looking for solutions all the time. Are you? That's why God called me. Maybe that's one of the reasons he called me to do what I'm doing. I think my greatest days are ahead of me, and I think your greatest days can be ahead of you if you'll turn the hitchhiker into a helper. You got that? Stand up on your feet. Y'all get something? All right. Woo-hoo. Yeah. In fact, you ought to go home today and read John 14, John 15, John 16, and John 17. I dare you to do it. Because those are the passages just before Jesus went to the cross. He was preparing his disciples. In fact, starting with John 12. He's preparing his disciples for his departure. They thought he was going to set up his kingdom because he's on earth. No, he was going to leave earth in the way they didn't think. He was going to die to leave. Then he was going to come back as a resurrected Savior. And then he was going to ascend to heaven where he's going to be praying for us. They didn't know any of that. He's trying to prepare them. Get ready. And see, the Holy Spirit's trying right now, get yourself ready. Don't be all gloomy about the future. Be excited because Jesus is going to use you. Don't forget what he said to Isaiah. I've said it a hundred more times. Arise, shine, your light has come. And the glory of the Lord's risen upon you. Darkness will come upon the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. Ah! If I need water... I'm expecting, if I have to, to speak to a rock the way Moses did. If I need food, I'm expecting to wake up one morning and on the ground with the dew is the food I need to eat because he did it to the Israelites. Yes or no? A thousand will fall at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand. Bombs may be exploding, but he promised to take care of me. He didn't say it'd be easy, he just said he'd take care of me. And I have expectations. I just want to take a whole lot of people with me to heaven. Are you going to heaven with me? If you're to die today, you going? You sure? I want to make sure everybody's going. All right? So we're going to do this every Sunday. You, will, will, you, will you do something for me? Invite your friends to church. Coworkers. Family. Well, you don't want to know my family, Pastor. Well, just bring them anyway. Bring your friends. Bring your co-workers. Well, pastor, they're going to think you're crazy. Well, I, I don't care. Bring them. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Your job is to bring them. We'll get them saved. All right? So close your eyes, bow your heads. Father, thank you for your word, your promises, your spirit. I pray for every person in the room that we are prepared for the days ahead. If we're not prepared, help us to hear your voice. Number one, let us change and allow the Holy Spirit to be a helper 
and, and, and not a hitchhiker. Pray it out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I repent in the name of Jesus for not putting myself in a place where I can hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Forgive me for any time I've put your word on the back seat and not the front seat of my life. I make a decision today to seek first the kingdom of God, to live by your word. Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Lord, today I repent for any slackness I have had about getting in your word. And I give you permission to speak to me through your word. Holy Spirit, forgive me for not listening more attentively to what you're saying inside me. Help me beginning today to attune my spiritual ear to hear what you're saying to me. In the name of Jesus, speak to me through your word and by your spirit. Forgive me, Holy Spirit, for, for allowing you just to be a hitchhiker. I invite you today, be my helper. Help me everywhere I need it and in places I don't need it. Help me in Jesus' name.